0: BATCAST is brought to you by Battery.Market. Welcome to BATCAST, your podcast for insightful and diverse interviews about everything that touches the battery world. My name is Julian. I'm the CEO of Battery.Market and serial inventor and innovator in the battery space, and I'll be hosting today's episode. Without further ado, let's jump right into what actually matters, the interview. Hi, Rami. Thanks for joining us today. Um, first off, you know I appreciate you taking the time to, to come and talk with us, um, and I was just a, a bit of context, unlike most of my guests who I've just crossed, I, I can actually slightly introduce you because um, I, I know you a little bit more. We actually met uh, at an incubator, um, at Ecofuel, uh, when f wasn't called FTEx. you weren't doing bicycle controllers, and uh, so things have changed quite a bit, so... Why don't you start by telling us who is Rami and what is FTEx?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, happy, to be, happy to be doing this. Um, so I'll give you a quick background of our, of our company. Uh, we started out about four years ago uh, building long flight time multi-rotor drones, and we went under the name of Tristar Multicopters. And. Um, we we wanted to solve the problem of short flight times on drones to make them more useful for industrial applications, and our market really was uh, mining companies, uh, construction companies, surveying companies that that type of uh, that type of application. We we developed um, a, a very interesting airframe. But I think that um, a lot of our, our real IP and our real innovations were in the power management systems and the motor control systems were uh, ESCs for the drone world. Um, in our drone, that allowed us to push flight times further than any other drone on the market. Uh, I think at the time we were reaching in the 80, 80 minutes or so with a one point 1. twenty-five kilo payload. Um, what we found was that it's still a, an industry that's um, a little bit early, um, that, that's taken some, some pretty big ups and downs and dominated by a single company. Um, so, so we found an opportunity for applications of our power, ma- power management systems and, uh, and uh, inverters in the world of EVs, in the more general world of EVs, um, and uh, tran- transitioned and pivoted the company towards this new application. We focus solely on our value add um, and refocus the company. So today today we make um, inverters and we make, uh, we're developing a, a special type of uh, variable DC, uh, DC bus voltage um, motor drive system for larger vehicles. Um, and we're targeting markets that are a little bit more diverse, anything from e-bikes to e-scooters, uh, mopeds, and eventually, uh, more powerful recreational vehicles like uh, snowmobiles and and uh, jet skis.
0: So by now, um, I might have some of my listeners scratching their heads. You know, Julian, when you brought us a data specialist, that was kind of a stretch. This is a battery podcast. Now you're bringing us a hardware guy that is not even touching the batteries. Um, what, what's up? well here's my take on it is advances in batteries are often seen as as the obvious way to get things like more range and more power but that's where TriStar star innovated and by you know extension ftex innovated um and really there's a whole system around those batteries and it's in improving those batteries that uh sorry those systems that you get more out of the battery so you know just to put that in context like how important our control is in achieving those gains that people are looking for. Like compared, like, you know, adding a 10% power efficiency to a battery is is a big feat. Um, and I'm sure it's also not easy to do in, in the power electronics, but how much room is there left? Because I feel like maybe it's been neglected a little bit while the focus was on the batteries. Like, how much room is there left to improve the power electronics to really make the most out of those batteries?
1: I mean, uh, it, it's a good question. Um, we we really feel like in the in the world of light TVs, anyways, uh, um, uh, inverters or motor controllers have been uh, very much neglected. You know, we we look at uh, every website, you know, from all of our competitors, and they're all claiming 99 percent efficiency. That's fantastic that there's very high peak efficiency inside the motor controller, um, but, but that's not the reality of it. Um, bad controllers uh, have, have very high losses at the motor or very high peaks that they demand from the batteries that affect uh, the, the lifetime of the, of the battery system or even the lifetime and the efficiency of the motor as well. Um, so I, I think at FTX, we're taking a more holistic approach to, uh, to, to EVs and EV powertrains. Um, we actually, we, we don't touch batteries or motors, but we start at the BMS um, and we do have a BMS project uh, in-house. It um, allows us to communicate with the battery, um, check on the health of the battery and make sure that we're using it in an optimal way. Um, we're, not, we're not charging it uh, through regen when it's too hot. We're not um, giving it very high current peaks when the battery is um, mostly discharged. So um, that, that way we can actually use the stored energy inside those batteries more efficiently. Um, this is something that we haven't seen at all at, the, at our scale of vehicles. So obviously Tesla does it and we can see the, the huge benefit um, on a Tesla that uh, for the same number of kilowatt hour of stored energy, a Tesla will get more kilometers um, out, of, uh, out of that energy. And they don't do it because, you know, the, there's something magical about their system. They they just... they manage that battery in a way that is clearly superior to what's happening uh, with other companies out there. So we want to bring that technology down uh, to all types of vehicles. Um, when you consider you know, in a car, like 20-25% of the bomb might be battery and power electronics. Uh, when you come down to, a, to an e-bike, uh, that number is closer to 50%. So the, the ability to extend the life of these components becomes ever more critical. I think um, for the in the motor controller, um, the motor controller world right now, we see a lot of very very bad implementations um, to just to keep price low. So you know we have motor controllers at fifteen dollars right now coming out of China at uh, some sort of reasonable volume. Um, but what we've seen compared to those controllers is we were outputting, for example, one of our clients, we're outputting the same acceleration and the same speeds, uh, same performances, really, with a 30-amp peak on our controller versus their controllers peaking at 50 amps and, on average, consuming more amperage uh, for the same performance. These huge peaks in in current on smaller batteries on e-bikes end up eating into the number of cycles, uh, the useful cycles uh, of that battery pack. So I think that, There is a lot more that we can do, um, especially on vehicles below 20 kilowatts um, that that is just not being done today, where the R&D is just not being invested um, and where companies have commoditized um, motor controllers into something that, you know, you just pick from a catalog and don't really think about too much. Because if you look at it on the surface, they all say that they're 99 percent efficient, which is not really true once you actually test them.
0: All right. Can you um, so that that extra torque and and speed you can get for the same amount of power? Um, can you ballpark that into like how much more efficiency that that is? Like, does it take you know ten percent less power, thirty percent less power to to run the same motor?
1: It's hard to say exactly what those numbers are today because we need to do more uh, long-term testing on our, on our products. I would say um, the, the, main, the main differentiator between our product and what's available on the market is that we have a much larger range of, of uh, operating conditions where we maintain this high level of efficiency uh, compared, to, uh, compared to what's available on the market today. And uh, overall, it should, sorry, overall, it should result in um, a decent range improvement. Uh, We're targeting on our first gen five to 10%. uh, That's our targets. Uh, We're eventually targeting where our second and third gen um, um, technology stack up to 20% of extra range.
0: All right. So, so that's kind of what I wanted to hear was that, that number, because 20% kind of, you know, even 10% gives people an idea. That's like two full generations of battery improvements you know like that's that's a big difference um right there like you, you, and if you can tackle those in parallel while batteries are improving and motor controllers are improving um you know it, it'll bring the the our micro mobility vehicles forward leaps and bounds um i think that's that's a pretty powerful combination right there um,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I really think, I mean, you know, improvements in batteries have been disappointing. Um, I know that there's a lot of news out there with new, new chemistries and new form factors, etc. But you know, I started building drones maybe uh, seven or eight years ago now, and was using 35 milliamp hour, uh, 3500 milliamp hour um, 18650s. And the top of the line today is the same. Thirty-five hundred milliamp hour, eighteen-six-fifties. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of improvement in battery technology that is accessible to us. Um, whether we're DIYers or you know light electric vehicle companies, uh, maybe Tesla's out there. You know they have they have access to some newer chemistries, but but we don't. Uh, so we have to look elsewhere for for performance gains.
0: That's that's a really really good point. Um, so you know when can we expect to see? Uh, controllers like this come and improve our devices
1: um well right now we are beginning um we're beginning to put our controllers on the road so we're expecting some of our prototypes to be on bikes uh, sold by montreal-based uh, e-bike companies by may or june uh we're looking to start manufacturing um some sam- some smaller manufacturing runs by the end of, of the summer so more around uh, september and uh, we're going to be available in large volumes in 2023.
0: All right, that's that's closer than I thought. Um, so if you know a diehard uh, uh, e-bike enthusiast wants to build a an e-bike with an f to to bring their weight down or bring their range up, because you've got these you know these people who build like uh, you know just massive range bikes as a challenge. Um, you know, you know, if if they want to get in early, you're saying small batches this summer?
1: So small small batches this summer, we're, we're basically sold out until um, <laughs> mid-2023. Um, so, so, I mean, that's good for us. Um, it's, a, it, it's bad, I would say, maybe for for DIYers who are trying to get their hands on it. But uh, currently, our motor controllers are all configured individually for our launch clients. Uh, By 2023, by mid-2023, we'll have tools that will be available to allow DIYers to to buy an individual controller, um, then to be able to configure it and tune it for their motors, to configure it for their um, additional sensors on their bikes, like pass, um, uh, the the brake cutoffs, screens, things like that. So we'll have all the tools available for DIYers um, more towards mid-2023.
0: Yeah, and something I've noticed, um, you seem to go – I was poking around on your website. You seem to go straight for the dual motor uh, controllers too, which I don't see very often. Um, so again, on those you know power builds, um, I, I can see some people going a little crazy here, being able to <laughs> build some insane rigs.
1: Yeah, we have crazy stuff in the office. Uh, we have a dual motor um, bike that can do something like 65 or 70 kilometers an hour. Um, no field weakening on that. Um, so I think we can we can get even more out of it. Um, it's running dual 750 watt motors um, that that's Did you, we're over.
0: 750 at. watts and it can do 70 clicks?
1: Uh, it's a dual 750, so a total of 1500. And uh, yeah, it can do 65 kilometers an hour fairly easily. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it, it's, a, it's a pretty scary machine. It's a, it's a fat bike uh, with a dual battery, dual suspension, dual motor, and running a dual motor uh, controller, uh, f- an f dual motor controller. So, nice. uh, that, that's the kind of builds that we're targeting with those uh, dual motors. <clears throat> we're also um, looking at some uh, um, crazy scooters as well, like stand-up scooters that have dual motors. They have dual six fifties or so. Um, Those are capable of hitting sixty-five kilometers an hour as well. It's a pretty terrifying experience (laughs) on these little uh, ten-inch wheels. Uh, And I think, and they're selling a lot right now. So I think that we're going to see a lot more, you know, enthusiasts that uh, power enthusiasts on electric vehicles in the near future.
0: So. I'm going to I'm going to take this a bit to this to to a side topic here you you touched on it you touched on you know sourcing batteries this is a battery podcast so we'll we'll go down that road a little bit um you are a user of of high quality cells like you, you guys don't you know sell products with the batteries but you have to test it um as a commercial buyer of batteries you know what are the challenges you see and I think you already pointed to some of the same ones I'm seeing which is the EV manufacturers have access to all this stuff, but like, what are you seeing? You know, what is it getting harder with the car companies snatching up? Like in, between now and two years ago, when we met, is it even still harder, or has it gotten easier? What's the deal?
1: Um, I think it's gotten harder. <clears throat> so uh, we can we can still find LGMJ ones. Um, we use some some variations of twenty one seventies as well. Um, but, but they're difficult to get, um, um, we're having a hard time getting them in good numbers and this is just for us. And we buy hundreds at a time, you know, um, we, we know, um, North American manufacturers who want to begin assembling battery packs, uh, here in North America, and they need to put in orders for millions and millions of cells. And they've just been shut out of the market. You know, they're, they're talking about three year lead times, uh, which makes it nearly impossible to, to you know, set up a business without, you know, a huge amount of capital up front. So, um, you know, it, it's it's not just car companies that are that are taking up all of this slack on the market right now, but it's also um, just battery assemblers in, in China and in Asia in general that have that just buy everything. Everything that's available, they'll just buy it and they'll figure out what they'll do with it later. So we've seen a lot of that. Uh, which is pretty unfortunate. Yeah.
0: So, on this path to uh, creating contro- a controller business, um, what is it you've lived or discovered that you just didn't expect that surprised you?
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna say what what most first time hardware uh, startup founders will probably point back to. Hardware is way harder than you could ever imagine. Uh, so, so getting into this business, we knew that this was going to be a very difficult uh, thing to do. And then it was 10 times harder. Uh, and it took, you know, it's taking twice as long. It's costing five times as much. We need, you know, five times more engineers than we thought we needed. Um, it's, the hardware game is very difficult. Um, I think that the companies that come out and actually commercialize a product, the amount of of, um, of stress and learnings that you have to go through to actually get there is is just, it's incredible. So I, it's given me a whole new respect for anything I can touch with my hands, you know, like I look at the TV and I never thought about it twice, you know, I'm like, well, it's just a screen, it must be simple. Um, putting this thing together and putting it on the market must be an absolute nightmare. So uh, I think that that's, it's not that I didn't expect it. I just didn't expect um, how, how difficult it would be. Um, another thing that, that um, I guess another, another point that we, we found is that for OEMs um, that we work with, uh, and and mo- most of the OEMs out there, basically in the light EV uh, industry, they don't have electrical expertise in house. Um, so s- selling what we're selling and explaining it to them is is pretty difficult. They they understand the need right away, um, but they they don't um, they they they're unable to do integrations and testing and stuff like that in house because they are essentially at their core uh, vehicle manufacturers, they make frames, uh, they make designs. So I think that that's, uh, that's, a that's something that was, that was unexpected and we're seeing a change now on the market, but it will take a few years before these companies start building up, uh, an electrical expertise in house.
0: All right. I can relate to that stuff. Um, so, you know, I repowered batteries was my first business was a hardware business and, uh, we made a welder that we sold on Kickstarter and it got delivered like six months late. It got delivered, but it got delivered six months late and just sourcing parts. It turned into a, a new welder we're making. Now we're making a professional welder called called the Titan Pro. Um, you know, and it's just this beast of a device and just sourcing parts has gotten 10 times harder. I'm so happy that I did the Nano when I did, because I think I would have quit like with how hard it's gotten now at least i've got the baggage to kind of power through it now but like everything just learning on the go and and on how hard it is now to find parts uh, it's just brutal it's a brutal game right now uh, and yeah like you I, I i completely relate with the whole you know new appreciation i I also have now a, a much deeper respect for, for pricing of stuff. I'm not like, can I save five dollars on this? It's like, no, no, a lot of work went into those extra five bucks.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm gonna say as well, like, you know, it's it's changed how hardware startups go to market. Um, you know, in the past, I think on um, what we're building here, we may have gone through four or five iterations of the board itself from from dev to final DFM before going into manufacturing, uh, which is a, a, a reasonable number of iterations um, to go through over maybe a year and a half or so as we develop. Um, and, and those would have been iterations to uh, remove bugs, problems, uh, maybe improve performance and quality, uh, and, and towards the end to lower the costs. Uh, We We have gone through at least twice as many, and all the extra iterations are Oh this component that was available is now on a 96 week lead time. So if you want to put a product on the market under 96 weeks, we need to go through another iteration and swap this component, this critical component out um, and then redevelop on it and retest and then you know we'll see if there's anything else that that that's gone off the that 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 that's, that now has unacceptable lead times. And you know, we've had to do this with our MCU, which is a huge deal. Um, and we're, we're migrating all of our code now from one to another uh, because they told us that they would be available and then, and then it just wasn't. Um, it's, it's made things very difficult with the, with the supply chain uh, shortages that we're experiencing. And while I expected, again, things to be bad, I didn't expect them to be this bad. And it's like 90% of our components were fine, but it's like that last 10% that's just been an absolute pain. Um, and, you know, I thought that, okay, we can power through. We're only doing a few thousand. We'll go to the gray market. Uh, there, there isn't, you know, we, we've seen MCUs uh, that should cost a buck uh, being sold on the, on the gray market for more expensive than our product. So uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's not reasonable anymore to do that.
0: No, I, I know what you mean. I, I I actually am sitting on the entire global supply of one type of FET right now because it was still there and I jumped on it because there's just no other option. Because the, the other one I had before, the stock went out like from one, you know, overnight. I was just looking at it. I was like, oh, this will be fine. And the next day it's like, oh, it's gone.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, yep. and, and at least I can say that we don't have that problem because we use gallium nitride FETs, so um, we we don't have the problem uh, of shortage on on MOSFETs, um, on silicon MOSFETs, um, which is a problem on the market today. That have we gone through that path? I think we, this would be another thing that we would have to deal with. Um, right now, we're using GAN system GANs and uh they're, they've been made available to us uh we know that we can get them and basically any volume that we need um so so that that's helped us out because it's at the core of our of our design but the drivers for example are a problem yeah and we've had to negotiate for a long time and build strong relationships with the, the suppliers in order for them to uh allow us to skip the queue and get you know a hundred thousand of these drivers that without them our design would be rendered useless because you can't just swap out drivers like that when I, when when, no, when that's
0: the other thing I'm sitting on is like for every fed I've got my driver. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, but, but you see how like it changes dramatically um, how you do the financial planning for a hardware company Yeah. Um, where, you know, you focus on R and D and then you're like, all right, whatever, put this thing into manufacturing. I have orders and everybody's giving you terms and you know, you Everything is turnkey. You know, that's, that's how it used to be on a, on a new product introduction. Uh, let the EMS find all the components for you. You'll get four to eight week lead times. In three months, you get yourself a, a product run that that's complete. It doesn't work like that anymore. If I, if I leave it turnkey to my EMS, I'll get my product in maybe a year and a half. Um, you know, so I have to manage this myself. You know, just like you, we have to stockpile on some things. You have to work very closely with distributors and allow them to stockpile for us the components that we need and reserve them for us. You have to stake all of this up front. Um, it it's, it's means that, that we just we have to already hardware companies are more uh, capital intensive than software companies at the startup stage because of the bigger R&D run that we have to go through. Um, now, now it's even more capital intensive than it used to be.
0: Yeah. For the MCU, can I take a stab in the dark and say was it a Texas Instrument one?
1: No, it no. was not. But we have designed out Texas Instruments a long time ago. <laughs> so uh, that uh, yeah, it's uh, you can't you just can't get no. anything from yeah Texas that's Instrument
0: it. is is absolutely like yeah if you can get those you're, you're yeah that's that's just insane right now
1: yeah. Yeah, so so TI, TI is out. Um, we had current sensors that we had to replace. Um, those are all out. Um, you know, uh, the, the MCUs that we were using were from ST. They so were STM32s. And, you know, they can make things happen, uh, but they're really a, a victim of their success today um, where there's just so much demand that even in the, in the best of times, demand would have been difficult to keep up with. Um, now you have, you know, I don't know, factory shut down for like three, four days because of a COVID outbreak and and you add two months of lead time. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad right now out there. Uh, And there's going to be winners and losers at the end. So there are companies that nobody knew before that now have a pretty big market share just because nobody knew them before. So their lead times are really short. Um, and everybody jumped on that. So, uh, we're going to see a lot of changes, uh, for hardware companies. We're going to see a lot of changes, uh, coming out of COVID.
0: All right. Well, that was a, a little twist I wasn't expecting, but I'm glad we got to talk about it because uh, it's very near and dear to my lack of sleep.
1: <laughs> yeah. You you can't talk about hardware without talking about the supply chain these days. Yeah. You know, that's that's how it is. All
0: right. Well, thank you very much, Rami. It was great having you here today. Um, I very yeah, appreciate for your taking your time like that. Have a good one. Thanks.